Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from 9. But I wanted to mention um, backpackers and how they're trying to lure backpackers to Australia. There's, um, there's some airfares to Australia for under $20, yet yeah, to $2,000. That's not bad, is it? An assistance on arrival. The states are pulling out all the stops to attract what they call working holiday makers. Yeah, the, the WHMs. We often call them backpackers to fill thousands of job vacancies. Now, prior to the COVID pandemic, working holiday makers or backpackers performed 250,000 jobs across the country and contributed $3.2 billion to the visitor economy. Since borders reopened late last year, only 2,400. WHMs have returned, doing little to ease chronic labour shortages in the hospitality and tourism industries. I mean, the best incentives are those that provide upfront assistance to lure people over, not only for a holiday, but uh, commitment for a job as well with accommodation. Now, Queensland's got a work in paradise scheme, one of the first to roll out, offering $1,500 cash incentives for people to relocate to regional areas to work. Northern Territory provides $500 for every WHM to spend on a tourism experience within the top end. Western Australia raised the bar with up to $2,000 in assistance. Um, Couldn't find much about Tassie, but anyway, the sum included $40 a night towards accommodation for that one as well uh, in regional WA and $500 to help with travel costs for backpackers. South Australian initiative of uh, 200, they had 200 £10 or $17.40 return airfares from the UK to Adelaide. Of course, that's sold out in under five minutes. 16,000 people registering their interest. Um, the offer did come with free accommodation, by the way, at Adelaide's YHA and that sort of thing. Um, also, the uh, operator of 300 uh, holiday parks and resorts across Australia, the G'day Group, the CEO, Sir Grant Wilkins, said they had a lot more jobs than people at the moment. He said incentives offered by the various states and the NT were helping a bit, but there was a long way to go. So there is accommodation in those packages. Good to know. Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin. Now, you actually may have heard in, in recent days of a case of meningococcal disease being diagnosed in the uh, northwest. So this morning, I wanted to check in with Dr Shannon Melody, Specialist Medical Advisor at the Department of Health, to find out just how concerned we need to be. Doctor, a very good morning. I do thank you for your time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So tell us about this case in the northwest, if you don't mind. Yes, so uh, there was a case of invasive meningococcal disease diagnosed late last week. And we understand that he's currently stable and recovering. So, like we do with COVID, um, is it close contacts of the patient have, have been determined, that sort of thing? Yeah, look, it is a little bit different. Um, meningococcal disease is caused by a bacteria that about one in 10 of us carry around in the back of our nose and throat without realising. Right. And then that bacteria can be spread through close and prolonged contact through respiratory droplets, much like, like COVID. Uh, to people who can then become quite sick. And so what we try to do with the public health response is identify that close network of social contacts um, to mm. inform them about meningococcal disease, what to look out for, and if we think it's appropriate, give them a course of antibiotics to potentially clear any of that bacteria that might be sitting at the back of their nose or throat. Gotcha. And have any of um, those close contacts of the patient uh, contracted the disease as well? No, so there's been no secondary cases, as we call them. That's quite rare to see um, okay. transmission from one person to the next. How does it work with meningococcal? Do close contacts actually have to isolate? I mean, that sort of thing? No, so what we do is we um, provide them with advice, what to look for. We give them clearance antibiotics, uh, but there's no need to isolate because they're not necessarily infectious. It's, it's 
quite different from COVID-19, much less transmissible. You really do need close, prolonged contact with an individual. Gotcha. And uh, how's the man holding up, by the way? Better ask that. That's necessary. Yeah, he's, he's doing well with our understanding. He's um, stable and recovering. How was it determined he had meningococcal? I mean, what are the main symptoms? Yes, it's really important that people understand what to look out for. So it is a rare but serious illness. And people can present in a number of ways, but the, the thing that really stands out is that people go from being well to quite seriously unwell very quickly. So it's a rapid transition, and people might present with symptoms like fever, severe headache, confusion, severe muscle pain, and a rash. Um, young infants, though, because they're not able to tell you how they're feeling, will have more non-specific symptoms like being unsettled or drowsy, pale or floppy, um, or not feeding. I see. I mean, that's a, so it really is quite a, quite a bit of a difference in the babies. We just have to be very cautious. I know parents are. Um, but how is uh, meningococcal then contracted? I mean, how, how does it from sort of transfer to get that unwell? Yeah, so it, it, it sits as a bacteria in the back of our nose and throat. And mm. um, as I mentioned, that one in 10 of us at any point in time will have it sitting there, but it won't be causing us harm. And then it just takes a, um, a close, prolonged contact with another person where you might be um, in the same household for example where respiratory droplets from the back of the nose and throat are transferred over to another person and they might become unwell. And the, the strain he contracted was uh, was zero group B um, I believe. What does that mean? Yeah, so there's about 13 different strains of meningococcal oh. disease. B is the most common um, and A, C, W, Y and B are all vaccine preventable so there's a really important message here as well to remind people that there are vaccines available. Uh, the vaccinations against the ACWY strain is on the National Immunisation Program. So babies yeah. at 12 months receive that for free, as do children in year 10 of school. The B vaccine, however, is not as widely available for free. Um, it's currently only funded for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander infants under two, uh, but you can access it on a private script with a GP. Now, this is the first case of what meningococcal disease to occur in Tasmania this year, is that right? Yeah, the first case this year, and we see an average of about seven, um, most common during winter and early spring. So we think this is quite a timely um, time to let the public know just to be aware of those symptoms and as well as the vaccinations that are available yeah. to protect individuals. And uh, is it normal for us to get, what, six months in without a case or is it more common over winter and that's why? Uh, look, we have had some years where we get six months into the, the year without a case. Um, but yes, mostly if, if you were to plot it across the year, most would occur from now into sort of September, October. How many cases do we see on average in Tasmania each year, Doctor? It, it has changed. Our average, if you were to look over five years, is seven cases per year. But 2017 and 2018 were quite big years. And if you recall, we had that large... Um, vaccination program that started in 2018 mm. and so we've certainly seen a reduction since uh, that vaccination program as well as an impact of all those COVID public health measures that have been in place we have had a quieter last couple of years. And, and if you don't mind then if we can go through that I mean the reason these figures are low is what due to that ACWY vaccination program commenced in 2017 tell us about that. Yes, that was quite a large-scale vaccination program at the time uh, where we were encouraging um, infants up to late teens to come forward and get their ACWY vaccine. And the reason we needed to do that was that there was a real surge in 
um, cases of meningococcal disease, particularly of the W and Y strain, both in Tasmania but as well as across the country. And that was quite different from what we'd observed many years prior where it used to be the C strain that caused the most trouble. Um, so there was a bit of a shift where we were starting to see W and Y emerge, so we needed to respond by getting vaccines into arms and protecting people against those specific strains. Yeah, this doesn't include all of that, didn't include all the B strain, I believe, So, but there is a vaccination for that. Yes, so there is a vaccination against yeah. the B strain, um, but like I mentioned, it's only funded on the national program at the moment for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander infants. Um, however, anyone who's able to access that and get a private script with their GP is encouraged to do so, particularly teenagers and late adolescents. Is this something we should all be getting vaccinated against? Because uh, you can imagine the people who are going on, on no, not another needle for something. Yeah, we, we certainly understand that people are um, experiencing a bit of vaccine fatigue. Uh, look, we always encourage people to be vaccinated against vaccine-preventable diseases where possible, but there are groups in the population where we, we put more emphasis on that. So um, protection against the ACWY strain and the B strain very much encourage the infants teenagers and young adults, they're really the most at risk, but certainly people yeah. outside of those groups could also come forward. And are people of all ages susceptible to the disease? Yeah, certainly. So meningococcal disease, while rare, can affect anyone of any age. Um, and we do see the W and Y strains tend to affect a bit of a broader age group. So we, we have seen um, you know, people in previous years in their 80s, for example, with meningococcal disease. Mm. And it can be fatal. It can be, yeah. It's, it can be very serious, yes. So what should we do if we think we may have contracted meningococcal, for example, or we're very concerned? I think the main message is the symptoms that cause meningococcal disease, um, they're, not, they're not mild symptoms. People go from well to unwell very quickly. And so if people are worried at all, they think this isn't right or they're worried about a family member, then the advice is to seek medical care as promptly as yeah. you can. And I know uh, you mentioned, I mentioned those uh, symptoms again, can include fever, severe headache, confusion, severe muscle pain and rash. Uh, and um, people who, as you say, contract meningococcal disease typically progress from feeling well to feeling extremely unwell very, very quickly. Yes, that's right. So um, if so, realistically, they uh, if you know someone or you're a bit concerned, it should be uh, seek emergency medical care immediately. That's right. And the main message is, to, we, we don't want to um, we don't want to scare people, but you know people know their bodies and these symptoms are things yeah. that you wouldn't usually brush off. Well, we needed to talk about anything else we need to know about that, doctor. No, look, I think that's the main message. Just you know, we're heading into the usual time of year that we might see this. Um, people, if they can have it in the back of their minds um, and are aware of the vaccinations that are out there to protect uh, individuals and, and children. Oh, good. Uh, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate having a chat. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Dr. Shannon Melody, the Specialist Medical Advisor with the Department of Health at Meningococcal with Tasmania Talks. Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from 9.